Salve! And welcome to today's episode of Sistery History, Funerals in Ancient Rome. Just like funerals today, those in ancient Rome could vary greatly. They could be public or private, simple or grand, small or large, last for hours or days, be a burial or a cremation. Some of the elements we'll talk about will be familiar and comforting. Others will be unusual, maybe even a little unnerving. Hopefully all will be interesting. Caroline, before we follow some folk down to the underworld, let's do an overview of today's sources. Well, today we have Polybius. A new entry. A new entry for the sources. He is a Greek historian, but lived in Rome. Originally went there as a war hostage, actually. And he was writing in the 2nd century BCE. Then we've got Lucan. He's a poet, born in Spain, educated in Rome, and recalled by Nero to join his circle and hold various offices under him. He was around in the first century CE. Mm -hmm. Seneca the Younger, he was a first century CE guy. We've met him before. We have a few times, yeah. Stoic philosopher, statesman, playwright, one-time tutor to the Emperor Nero. Oh, yes. Died in the bath. And finally, we've got our good friend Petronius, satirical author, writing again in Nero's reign. He was Nero's arbiter of fashion. So they're coming to the funeral. They're coming to the funeral. It's a very small funeral today. We've only got the four. Well, plus us two. So six of us. Laura, you are kicking us off today. What sense are you doing? I am doing sight. Today, I'm going to start with Polybius, an extract from his histories. Histories 6, 53 to 54. To give a bit of context about the histories, it is really an account of how Rome came to prominence. And in this particular passage, Polybius is describing what happens at the funerals of eminent men. So illustrious Mm, noblemen. The elite, yes. Maybe your old emperor, senator console that kind of thing it's quite a long passage so i've taken a few excerpts and melded them together when any illustrious person dies he is carried in procession with the rest of the funeral pomp to the rostra in the forum sometimes placed conspicuous in an upright posture and sometimes though less frequently reclined and while people are all standing round some person of his kindred ascends the rostra and extols the virtues of the deceased And afterwards, an image, an exact resemblance of his face, is set up in the most conspicuous part of the house, enclosed in a shrine of wood. When any other person of the same family dies, they, the original deceased, are carried in the funeral procession. They are dressed in the habits that belong to the ranks in which they served when they were alive. If they were consuls or praetors in a gown bordered with purple, if censors in a purple robe, and if they triumphed or obtained any similar honour in a vest embroidered with gold. Thus appeared, they are drawn along in chariots preceded by the rods and axes and other ensigns of former dignity. And when they arrive at the forum, they are all seated upon chairs of ivory. The dead people. The effigies of the dead people. Oh, the effigies of the dead people. Yeah. Well, that's petrifying. I know. (laughs) So what happens is the original person dies and after the funeral, a death image is made of them and seems to have been kept in a family shrine in the house. But then maybe next year when Mm. his brother dies or someone else dies, the funeral effigies will be part of the next person's funeral procession. Yes. So you've got got kind of ancestors. 
ancestors. The family ancestors all paraded out. Yes, exactly. And I don't know what size they are. Are they lifelike? I'm not sure. Is it a mask or is it a whole body? Oh, so I know the answer to this. What? You could hire actors to wear the masks, the death masks of your ancestors, oh, and then yes. move like them. Move like them? Yeah, so kind Whoa. of join the procession and have some of their characteristics, I guess. Oh, it's very creepy, actually, if you oh. think about it. Because I did read about the hiring of actors to be part of the funeral mm. procession. Okay, so, they so they'd be wearing be the masks. Wearing the masks, okay. As you suggested, this could be quite a spooky, creepy kind mm. of thing because you've got the images of lots of past people, family members, yeah. part of this procession. And not only that, then just seated upon chairs of ivory at the forum yeah. at the end. They're just sitting there. Yes. So it's quite creepy. Very visual. I mean, Rome was obviously a very visual society because not everyone could read. But I don't think I'd like to see somebody moving as my deceased relatives through the streets of Rome. No, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Polybius ends, and I quote here, what spectacle can be conceived more great and striking? I than mean, a great funeral. Certainly, <laughs> yes, that's a top-notch funeral What a right great there. day out. <laughs> and at what point do you stop this? You've got a long peerage, you've got a very noble family. Mm. You could have scores of people up there. Well, this is the point, isn't it? Especially for the political elite. They want to show that they're from a certain stock. So mm. if they're rocking out with some of the greats, they say, well, actually, I'm related to this guy. Yeah, They're going to get a lot of prestige out of that. But there's going to be a point where there's no more chairs left. You're going to run out of ivory chairs. <laughs> that is true. I wonder how often, unless it's a really, really great person, you'll probably get rid of some. Maybe you'll, yes. You'll have a cleanse every couple of years. Yeah, so the ones out. lower down the pecking order might not. Or if they've fallen out of favour, you might oh, that's hide true. that one at the back of the cupboard. But keep them just in case, because politics and tastes do change, as we know. There are quite a few elements of visual splendour and mm. impressiveness in the whole thing. So obviously, you've got the effigies being processed along. We've got chariots and axes and rods. The axes and rods are often indicators of office, aren't they? Uh, the political Roman office. Political Offices had these symbols of power or prestige or gold. Like the queen, when you know have a coronation, oh, the yeah. queen holds the orb and then the scepter. Yes, exactly. Kind of the rostra, just for people who haven't heard of that term before, that's a special platform in the forum where speeches or orations could be delivered from. So it's very public, very central, and you can reach a lot of people. Lots of people can hear you, lots of people can see you. So mm. it's all about the spectacle and the performance. And that's where the funeral or would be given from yes how would you feel about the shrine of your deceased family members being in your house? It reminds me of the, the Day of the Dead tradition, where you have pictures of all your family members and you light candles to uh, them. Yeah. Going to the cemetery and honouring the dead. Honouring and celebrating. Yeah, well, the Romans had a very similar set of beliefs. They had several festivals over the years, so the Parentalia, for example. But it just goes to show how important honouring the dead was and the practice of observing the funeral rights and the grieving for your relatives and your friends. Death is a very chaotic thing. It causes chaos when somebody dies. In so many ways, your life completely changes. And so having these rituals and these ceremonies is a way of restoring order. That's a good point. And I suppose it's easy to fall into the structure. Mm. And it maybe it is comforting to have the shrine in your house, if that's what everyone else was doing. If you're used to it, it seems a little odd to us. 
But if that's how they honoured their dead, it would be very comforting for them to follow that practice. To have them there. Is it a part of the general household shrine or is it a separate shrine? So you'd have your little household gods that you might pray to. Mm. I'm not sure of that. And I guess it might change depending on the kind of house that you had. If you had a grand Mm. house, you might have a A huge shrine. But if you were, you know, just a a normal person or a poorer person, you wouldn't have as much space to play with. Mm. Maybe have to combine shrines. Just have a little cupboard. Put everyone in there. Should we just run through what happens in a typical Roman funeral? Yes, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. When a person dies, they have a final kiss and then their eyes are closed by their nearest relative. Who does the kiss? The idea is that you have someone close enough so that if they have anything to say, you hear their last words. Okay. Give them a kiss, close their eyes. Mm -hmm. Your name is then called out. It is then that the physical displays of grief begin for the family. You might be moved onto the floor. This one I find a bit odd. So you might be in bed, but you're moved onto the floor. This is kind of to check for any signs of life, just to check you really are. Make sure. Make sure you're dead. Yeah. It also mirrors a birth ritual. So when a baby is born, they're quite often put on the floor afterwards. It's, It's an odd one, and I don't know too much about it. So then the body is washed, anointed, garlanded, and dressed in white. White toga, if you're a citizen, for example. It is then that the plaster cast of the face is made. Uh huh. So your death mask is made. You then lay in state on a funeral couch in the atrium of the house for lamenting. Incense will be burned, flowers will be scattered around. After the laying in state is done the funeral procession begins to the cremation site the cremation site is always outside of the city walls you can't be buried within the city walls there are a few exceptions augustus for example but you have to process outside of the city walls if you're in the elite class then you might go via the forum for a little (laughs) speech so you still have to go outside the walls but we'll just do a stop off do a speech trumpets are playing flutes are playing you've got a huge group of people all processing through the city you've got paid mourners involved at the pyre speeches and laments are made the eyes are then reopened so that you can see yourself going into the heavens some offerings might be added into this fire after the fire is burned down it's covered with wine your bones then are collected and washed with wine or perfume put in a container then you have nine days of mourning a cypress branch is put outside the house to let other people know that the household is in mourning and then after nine days the feast the cleansing rituals happen and the family rejoins society that's interesting so a few points then outside of the city walls thing space or is that related perhaps to disease concerns about spreading disease in times of plague or just yes maybe both and really death is seen as a polluting thing mm. you noted the, the cleansing rituals mm. you were distinguished by what you're wearing you've got the cypress outside your house to distinguish you there is this element of pollution that comes with death and therefore all the people that work in the death industry shall we say also have to live outside the city walls they have to live outside the city walls yeah wow and work outside the city walls so there's this very marked distinction between the living and the dead this clearly sounds quite grand, although I imagine that a lot of the elements you talked about there would be present in the funerals of poorer folk as well. If you were a very poor member of society, you, you'd be lucky to get any sort of funeral at all. You might just be chucked in a pit. The quarter pits. Yeah, which yeah. is sad. Yeah. Hence the foundation of the funeral club. Yes! 
I love these ideas. Can you tell us about funeral clubs? Yes, I can tell you about funeral clubs. Burial societies that you might join if you were a poorer member of society or perhaps you were a slave. Once you joined, I believe that there was a small fee for joining. Mm -hmm. Uh, One club required you to pay 100 sesterces for joining and provide a jar of wine. And this particular example, so you'd pay your entry, maybe you'd give them a jar of wine, but once you were in that, when you passed away, they would pay for the costs of you Having a proper proper funeral and a feast in your honour. Nice. So they would bear the costs that would be more expensive than you yourself could manage. But you've paid your joining fee, so that's okay. A bit like getting insurance, really. And some of these clubs would have regular social occasions. They'd have regular feasts as well as the funeral feasts. Maybe that's where they use the jars of wine. Some of them had specific places for the burials or the cremations to take place. So some of them had club mausoleums, for example. Oh, I see. Okay. So that would be nice. You can rest assured that you can rest assured exactly even if you're poor your dead relatives are being looked after well and they'll have a decent send-off so that was polybius good fun caroline over to you for lucan for lucan and sound excellent actually what i want to think about here is the absence of sound Mm. lucan is a poet mid first century as we've already said in this extract from his civil wars he's describing the impact of civil war on the people who live in rome and he's comparing it to the point of death for a family so this is lucan civil war 221 men restrained their lamentations and a deep silent grief overtook the people Just as at the moment of death, a household is shocked and speechless before the body is lamented over and laid out, and before the mother with dishevelled hair calls her maids to beat their breasts with cruel arms, the mother still clings to the limbs, stiff with the loss of life, and the still face with eyes fierce in death. She feels no fear, but not yet grief, not thinking she wonders at her loss. That's sad. Yeah, it's very sad. But what it's discussing is that point of silence before the body is lamented over and laid out and before the mother with dishevelled hair calls her maids to beat their breasts with cruel arms. Yes, the beating of the breasts. I've got that mentioned in my second extract. It's part of the grieving, part of the very visual, physical nature of the mourning process. And I think you could hire people to be part of this aspect as well, could yes, you? Yes, you could hire mourners hire for, your, mourners, for yes. your funeral procession. Yes. That Lucan extract is quite nice because it's silence before the official mourning begins. What you're supposed to start doing, beating your breast, is scratching at their face. Yeah, it's not something that we're used to, is it? It's it's perfectly justifiable behaviour and a reaction to losing someone. But because we are used to such different Mm. norms in society and such different ways of conducting ourselves, we would find it a little bit alien. And also, it's a bit prescripted. You must do you, this. Yes, you must mourn in this way. It's you must mourn in this way. You must visually be shown to be mourning. So it's very visceral and perhaps more of a genuine reaction than some. Maybe because yeah. we, we Maybe perhaps some have. People. Yes, but it. But at the same time, as you say, it's being prescribed. It's being so prescribed. It's, it's, it's natural. I think the silence is. More, it feels more natural to me than the you're having your your little moment before the wailing begins. Funerals and death can be very loud. It would seem in Rome. Mm. There's trumpets. There's wailing. There's screaming. There's there's all kind of. It's like an afternoon at the baths. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Not to make light of the event itself. We've struggled, I think, to find humour in this. But then life isn't all about bathing and dinner parties. True.
So if you finish, Caroline, that leads in very nicely to my second extract, which is Seneca's Trojan Women. And what sense is this? This is touch. Okay. The Trojan Women is a tragic play that laments the recklessness of war, centred on the Trojan War and the suffering that the Trojan royal family have endured. The play opens with a speech from Hecuba, who's queen of the now fallen city of Troy. And she's mourning her losses specifically. So she's she's lost her husband, some of her children, including her eldest, Hector. And actually, before the play is done, she'll lose another child because her daughter, Polyxena, will be sacrificed by the Greeks so they can get a fair wind home. Oh, that's, that seems a bit over the top, doesn't it? I'm going to read you the chorus's response to Hecuba's speech. The key role of the chorus in the tragedy is to comment on the main action of the play and to try and encourage a bit of a bond between the actors and the audience. They've heard Hecuba Mm -hmm. and her lament and they are reinforcing it. Reinforcing it to the audience. I'm going to read from line 99. We have all loosed our locks at many a funeral torn. Our hair has fallen free from its knot and hot ashes have sprinkled our faces. From our bared shoulders, our garments fall and cover only our loins with their folds. Now naked breasts invite our hands. Now, now, O grief, put forth thy strength. Let the Roetian shores resound with our mourning. Let ever sea hear us and sky. Smite hands, bruised breasts with mighty beating. I am not content with the accustomed sound. Tis for Hector we weep. That really does reinforce Lucan's. It does, doesn't it? Yes. The physical act of mourning, the breast beating, the tearing of the hair, the scratching of the face, bearing the shoulders. It's all very earthy and visceral and physical and animalistic. This makes this extract more evocative, I think, and it's easy to imagine it come to life because of those aspects. But yes, very physical. And actually, it took me back to our episode on dining, mm. when you were talking about the very physical act of dining, as opposed to today, when we just have a knife and fork and we're at task sedately. In ancient Rome, it was more you're leaning in mm. and you're turning and everything. So it's a much more bodily experience. Bodily experience. And, and this felt to me similar. I agree. I completely agree. It's a, it's a whole body experience, but it's also a, a multi-sensory experience, isn't it? Because you've got the sight and you've got the touch and you've got the smell and you've got the sound of the wailing and all mm. of the, all of these things tie together it all comes together it all becomes very dramatic a performance not that i'm saying that the grief is put on because it's genuine but also it is put on the very fact that you can hire actors and mourners yeah it just enhances that nature of it but that shouldn't take away from the fact that obviously these people are genuinely grieving and mourning their losses well grief tried to be controlled by the roman senate and the ruling classes augustus put a cap on the number of slaves to be freed at his funeral because he didn't want to uh, just <laughs> a newly oh. released citizenship rabble crowding through the town mm. there were several edicts on how how many days you could mourn. If you're a woman, you could mourn for a year. But if you're a man, you weren't allowed to mourn because men don't do that. Oh, really? This kind of thing, yeah. Wow. But but again, it's the control because like I said, death brings chaos. Mm. So you have to control it. Otherwise, society will fall apart. And I think I should say, actually, because I was a bit naughty with that extract because although Seneca is Roman, it's obviously not about a Roman event. It's about the Trojan War. Yes. So I didn't know whether you'd tell me off for that. No, I'll allow it. I think I'll I think I'll allow it. There's a lot of parallels. I'm sure he's been drawing on his own ancient Roman experiences, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know that we've talked a lot about illustrious funerals so far and the funerals of the elite, but that's because the sources, they're more prevalent, aren't they, for for those sorts of members of society. Mm. But a lot of the elements would still be common. So there are some members of the elite who didn't want big, lavish funerals. Mm. You could have a will, you, you could express the way you want to be buried. For the poor, like we said, you might end up in a pauper pit. You might mm. just end up in a mass cremation. That's why we have the funeral colleges or the funeral clubs that you could buy into. But for many, maybe just a sprinkling of dirt over your body was enough to see you on to the next life. But it was important, was it? It was important for everyone to be honoured and to take care of the dead. Yes. So that's why these burial clubs were so important well of course there was a belief in ghosts Mm. so if you did not perform the correct rituals a ghost could come back and haunt you and have a go at you but actually what you were talking about we don't have many sources a good source for the average joe's funeral you've got epitaphs got Mm. all of these gravestones and it might just say something like Eric lived these mountains. Probably not Eric. <laughs> Marcus? <laughs> Marcus lived 25 years. This was put up by his widow. Mm. It might be something as simple as that, but she's had to pay that money for that to be erected. Obviously, we've got different levels of society, different amounts of money could be spent on things, but as long as you perform the right rituals in the right way, doesn't matter what your means are, mm. the dead are respected and honoured yes. and can pass through to the afterlife. Yes. I did read an interesting fact and I didn't know whether you could back it up or not. I read that funerals for the poor and for the young were often held at night. There was a tradition that all funerals used to be held at night. Maybe, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows. Well, maybe some people know. <laughs> it, it may be that funerals were always held at night. Mm. Because in a lot of the depictions, there are torch bearers. Oh, okay. So you kind of think, why are they carrying torches if this is the middle of the day? But it became the norm that only children were buried at night because nobody wanted to see the funeral of a child, mm. in a way. Yeah. It's too sad. Because that's a very breaking with the natural order of things isn't it Mm. when a young person passes away more harrowing to it might be more harrowing to witness but it also might be something that they haven't actually joined society yet oh okay so there isn't the same kind of rigmarole leaving society because they haven't actually joined it yet. oh well that's a bit sadder then this is another fun fact. So you know what we we were talking about the pollution that is associated with funerals. Yes. Gladiators weren't allowed to be buried in the rest of the area with the other people because they're tainted by their roles in the arena. Ah, oh, yes. So criminals, I believe, people okay. who committed suicide don't get to be buried with the rest of society. Goodness me. My last extract is Petronius. Yay. We're at the end of his dinner party. Trimalchiate, sorry. Yes. We've been with him at the Bards. We've been with him at his dinner. Yes. And now we're at the end of his dinner. Yes. So we followed him from the Bards to the dinner mm. the, with the pipe playing. Yeah. <laughs> you love and the pipe playing. The wild boars and the sequin bearded man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the sequined Viking. Hacking the wild boar open and then all the birds flew out. And now at the end of that dinner party. Yes. It's been a long day. I think it's been about 12 hours they've been at this dinner. Wow, they must be drunk. I think they're fed up, to be honest. (laughs) They've had all kinds of things going on. But here's the end of it. Where Trimalchio has decided to enact his own funeral. Okay. Really taking the entertainment definition to it. Yes, I think he's clutching at straws here. Fragments 77-78. Meantime, Stychus... Bring out the shroud and the things I want to be buried in. 
bring some cosmetic cream too, and a sample from that jar of wine I want my bones washed in. He opened a bottle of nard on the spot, rubbed some on all of us and said, I hope this will be as nice when I'm dead as when I'm alive. He now ordered wine to be poured into a big decanter and he said, I want you to think you've been invited to my wake. The thing was becoming absolutely sickening when Trimalchio, showing the effects of his disgusting drunkenness, had a fresh entertainment brought into the dining room. Some cornet players. Propped up on a lot of cushions, he stretched out along the edge of the couch and said, pretend I'm dead and say something nice. <laughs> Are you serious? Is this his end of dinner entertainment? Yeah, I mean, it, it goes on for a few more lines. And then because they make such a racket, the fire brigade think that something's wrong. So no. the fire brigade turn up and start knocking down the house and like drenching everything in water and everyone runs away. Oh, no. That's fantastic. <laughs> so Trimalchio is sozzled. Yeah. He's demanding that his slaves bring out cremation apparatus. Yes and wine and ointments and things so that he can pretend to be dead yes for his guests for his guests and then they have their order to say nice things they're ordered to say nice things about him. so a eulogy but what i want us to focus on here is all the smells of funerals okay so he describes the cosmetic cream mm -hmm. a sample from that jar of wine i want my bones washed in we discussed this so at the end of the funeral when yes. all the embers have died down you collect the bones and then you wash them in wine mm -hmm. a very pungent smell Yes. He also brings out a bottle of nard. What now, is nard? Nard is a perfume quite often used in embalming. Mm -hmm. So it has quite a distinct smell. Okay, yeah. So he's basically rubbing this smell on all his guests. He's at this point controlling how they're all smelling. Wow. What they're allowed to say. <laughs> no wonder they run away. Yeah. You quite often added incense, sweet smelling woods, perfumes to the pyre. So probably to help cover up some mm, bodily some smells. smells. Yes. But also the smoke from the fire and the incense and the perfume takes the soul up to the heavens. Okay. There's That's a connection nice. between certain perfumes, certain incenses and the gods so offerings in temples you quite often give incense as an offering to yes. the gods similar ones that are used in funeral pyres and that could be itself comforting couldn't it to the people who are grieving mm. also expensive yes because we know some things cost a lot to no end here in this example because Tramalchio is not dead no. he is just using up all this stuff in a drunken <laughs> he, he, he has somewhat of a little obsession with death I would say there is this Roman tradition of of memento mori you might have a ring with a skull on it your dining room floor might have a skull on it to remind you that death is just around the corner so live mm. life to the full effectively wise advice my favorite bit was the last i think your last line lie me down on the couch and say nice things about me <laughs> It's a good one, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's good. But it reminds me of something about funeral orations and how, as well as extolling the virtues of the deceased and, and singing their praises, it could also be used by young upcoming politicians to do a bit of a PR hit, mm. apparently. So Julius Caesar at the funeral of his aunt, and she was given a public eulogy, which was unusual because they were usually reserved for men. Because she was a woman. But she, but she was married to Marius 
he was consul six or seven times, I think, and a very good general. So he was a very prominent figure and she was his wife. But at her funeral oration, Julius Caesar did a little bit of PR for himself. I haven't got the exact wording, but really the undertones were, where is me? Aunt Julia is dead. She was great, but also maybe vote for me in the upcoming elections. <laughs> it was a bit like having, so having all the masks there, reminding you of who your famous yes. relatives are. Vote for me because look who I'm related look, to. Look. Cheeky, hey? <laughs> At the end of every good funeral with six guests there, I think uh, a quiz goes down quite well. Oh, yes. That's a good way to round things off for sure. I happen to have one. <laughs> Just stumbled across it. Next to your <laughs> tissues. Yeah. So today I have three questions. Okay. Question one. Throughout the course of this podcast, we talked about some opportunities that might be available to the enterprising Roman willing to hire him or herself out for funeral service. Can you recall any of them? You'll get half a point for each. Uh, so you could be a hired mourner. Yes. You could be an actor. So uh, what, what were those actors doing? So wearing the funeral masks. Yes, yes. And there's one more that we talked oh, about, though we only skimmed over it, so... Like a caterer or something. A caterer. Well, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. The sausage seller is probably there. The sausage seller's going, anyone for a sausage? Um, no idea. Okay, musicians. Oh, fine. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you the caterer because I hadn't written that down, but that is genuine, so you get one and a half points. Question two. Polybius talked us through the funeral procession and mentioned that the effigies of the deceased family members are part of the procession, wearing their robes of office. Can you remember what colour was worn by people who had been honoured highly or held a triumph? Well, I assume purple, but is it going to be white with a purple border? No. Oh, 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 hang on. Is it the gold vest? Yeah! <laughs> Number three is not relating to things that we've heard about today, right. but is topical. A televised pseudo-funeral or reinterment was held on the 26th of March 2015 for this person, following much public debate and some controversy. Who was it? I'll give you a clue. I've said it's a pseudo-funeral because by all accounts, this person had already had a funeral. That's your clue? Yeah. yeah. When was this? Remember, this is televised, a televised pseudo funeral or reinterment, 26th of March, 2015. Oh, is this the bloke in the car park? Yes. What's his name? King. Yes. John. No. Oh, Richard. Yes. Richard the. Come on, you can do it. King Richard the Third. Yay! Oh, Paralyzed. I'm so proud of myself. Well done. So your total is one, two, three and a half out of three and a half. <gasps> Four points. Four points, yeah. Because four you marks. didn't get musicians, but you got another one that I hadn't written down. So I gave you four marks for that. Oh. Thank you, sausage seller. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sistery History. Feel free to give us a five-star rating wherever you downloaded this episode. Follow us on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the page of our resident composer, Miss Alice Keys. Do join us next time when we will be continuing our sensory exploration into the lives of the ancient Romans. Goodbye. Bye.